Jason. I believe we can. Welcome guys to Bethel Radio Hour Christmas Eve edition. So this is our last meeting until the new year. So I don't know, is anybody excited to see 2020 go? Are we sad <laughs> that it's over? <laughs> well, and we gotta explain, the only reason we're not having food is because of the pandemic and the such. The other, uh, you know, all the Awana classes are having food, but it's mostly stuff that's been bought and brought in and such. So we just opted to stick with our, our approach that we've been doing. Uh, who knows, maybe by the end of the year, we'll be able to have an end of the yeah. year party with some food involved. Because historically, this is the best night to attend of the entire Historically, year. this is the best yes. night to attend. <laughs> Remember, don't tap. Yeah, my battery died. Did it really? Died. <laughs> just say Gavin's mic, he won't care. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew. I was just going to say my dad bought yeah. <laughs> oh man, cheesecake is. You know what? I don't even really like cheesecake, but I make them all the time because you can't mess it up. Uh, so tonight we'll have our normal three topics, and um, the first topic. And I'm glad. I'm glad Ben landed on this, and this might be something we continue on into January because there is so much to say about it. Um, but we're going to hit on some aspects of prayer starting with uh, what we're calling the ins and outs of praying for loved ones. So, Ben, I'll let you take it from there. So, uh, the Mark Pfeiffer story, and uh, if you don't know Mark, I, I wrote out a little bi biography here. Uh, Mark is a lifelong standing member at Friendship Baptist Church, which is a sister church just down the road in St. Clair. Uh, back in 2000, Mark was one of the main cogs uh, of the wheel that helped us get the first building built at our church camp there in Richwoods. Aaron uh, Maxwell was the legs and arms and hands. Mark was the brain and in a lot of instances the feet. He orchestrated and coordinated each phase of the building of that camp. His brother Fred, who attends here, was also very integral in the physical building of the retreat center. Mark is connected with a lot of people and a lot of trade unions that also helped us, so we really can't say enough as an association in that respect of our gratefulness and appreciation to Mark. So when I heard about his diagnosis about a month ago, which was that he did come down with COVID, but they also discovered that he was very, very bad diabetic. And so uh, it was very disconcerting to me, uh, but very honestly, I just assumed he would go in the hospital, get better, and come home. Uh, Joe Pierce uh, and his wife, Laura. Laura is Mark's sister, so Joe's a brother-in-law. Lola Pfeiffer, uh, Kelly, which is a sister-in-law, married to Fred, who is his brother. They all attend here. And so uh, at different times, they would call or text, or I would reach out to them and would get updates. And just things kept getting worse. Uh, kept going, and this, like I say, this has been a four-week situation. Uh, further down the line uh, of not feeling well, his lungs were deteriorating, and so on. So finally, uh, Joe called me Sunday morning early and said that a doctor was going to come in because Mark was not aware of the severity of his situation. And so the doctor told Carol, Carol told Joe, I'm sorry, it was actually John Dover, and said that um, we're going to have a meeting at one between Carol, Mark, and the doctor. And the doctor is going to give him three options. Uh, option number one is uh, ventilator. Option number two is comfort care. Option number three is a miraculous act of God. And so, and again, whether this is completely, you know, whether Carol Pfeiffer or Mark Pfeiffer would, would this is how, this is, this is my story, if you will, about Mark's story. So 
Laura calls me at about 1.30. I'm at Ken and Joanne's Burnett's house eating lunch with all the bunch. And Laura calls me and says, have you heard about Mark? Well, my first thought was, oh, no, you know. And, uh, but I could tell Laura's voice inflection was, was not what it should be if this was bad news. And I said, no, no, tell me. And she said, uh, the doctor was sitting there talking to Mark, and Mark said, he, he kind of moved and said, something just popped in my chest. And he said, and I'm, I'm breathing easier already. And in the ensuing hour, they turned down the oxygen three times. They put him on a different machine because the other machine was too much for what he needed. And long story short, uh, he's getting better. And so now we're going to pitch it to Tara because on Monday, Tara runs into Mark's daughter at the hospital. So let me just give a little background about sure. how I know Mark. Um, back when I was in junior high, my dad started preaching at a church kind of as like a fill-in uh, pastor, and it was a really small church, and I was the only youth. So I didn't have a youth group. I didn't really have any kids in the church. And Mark and uh, Carol Pfeiffer kind of took me under their wing, and they picked me up from school with their kids every Wednesday, fed me dinner, and took me to Awana at Friendship. Um, and so I went to Awana, sixth grade, seventh grade, and then by the time we're getting to like eighth grade, they took me to teen conference, which was, you know, we still like now I've been able to help at teen conference. So like kind of coming full circle. But um, so I got to know, you know, I was really good friends with April and Jennifer, their daughter. So um, I haven't seen Mark or any of them for years now. Um, so here is Monday at the hospital. I'm walking through the lobby and I see April, his daughter, who I haven't seen since, you know, my gosh, high school. And I know I can't not walk past her, but deep down I'm thinking like, oh man, if she's got bad news, I don't want to, oh, you know, right. and, I was, and I had, I had to, right. it's a small lobby, and so I, it was <laughs> unavoidable. Um, and so this is after knowing that on Sunday you said they're going to have a family meeting at one, and the options are life support, comfort care, just, or a miracle. Right. And we prayed for a miracle. We did. So I, I left that part out in my story, but I'm glad right, you. Yeah. I'm glad uh, you said that was an important piece. It's an important piece. That we, friendship and us, we prayed we for prayed, a miracle. And you said specifically, pray like it's your son That's or right. your husband or your father, or you pray because this is we're going to pray for a miracle because that's all he's got. And so I see April in the lobby, and uh, I was like, hey, I, you know, I don't even know exactly what to say, and it's like, so um, your dad's upstairs. And she kind of left it open ended, and she's like, oh my gosh. We have had a miracle. And the first thing I say is, really? <laughs> like, why? We're going to get it, on that, yeah. Why was my first response not like, yeah, he did, and I knew he was. Like, why is our faith not that? We prayed for a miracle. And why in the world, and I'm mad at myself, that I'm shocked that there was a miracle. And it's I, like when your husband does something that you've asked him to do for a year. Oh, my you God. You did it? Yeah. Like, what? It was an accident. It was a, yeah. And she goes, oh, my gosh, Tara, if I could go run and dance outside, I would right now. You would not believe. She said on Saturday, I was in the parking lot crying and thinking, I'm losing my dad. I'm losing him. And she said, and then on Sunday, and in her words, not mine, she said, it was like watching a flower bloom. He just improved. He looked at my mom and said, hey, um, why don't you go get some lunch or something and see if Steve wants to come watch this football game with me. The Chiefs are on, and I, I think it would be nice to watch football with Steve. 
And his wife was like, okay, all right, I'll see if Steve wants to come watch some football. I mean, just this is after they've been told we need to have a meeting at 1 o'clock to decide comfort care, right. essentially. And April goes, yeah, they didn't have to have that meeting. He watched football with Steve, and it was – he had a good day, and he's just improved throughout the day. And Amen. she said, I just – I don't even know what to say other than that God's not done with him. Right. And if people don't believe that miracles happen, they do. I just watched it. So that was um, my side of the story, if you will. Amen. So uh, – w- and, and I'm thankful for Tara for, for saying that because after I got off the phone with John – I just felt like, okay, you know, we can either stand by and let things happen or we can, quote, unquote, step up to the plate. And I call it registering some prayers in heaven just so that we know that they're there. And if God so choose to honor them, then hallelujah, praise the Lamb. And because I would want someone to register some prayers for me if I were in that position, for my wife's sake, for my daughter's sake, such, you know, such of that nature. Well, so we did that. And then we got the result, hallelujah, praise the Lamb. But I did the same thing. I was surprised as I'll get out when Laura called me. And then I felt terrible about being surprised and, and all that. I'm but, glad but, I'm not the only one. Yeah, I, I think it's just part of it. We're, we're human. We're finite. But the bottom line is we had enough faith to ask him. We had enough faith to ask him. And, and we truly did believe that he could, and he did, at least so far. Things could change tomorrow. You never know. But we, we went to... Um, <coughs> Sunday night, I called John because I was going to share with the church, you know, what, what God had done. And John said, Ben, I'm literally sitting here in my office staring at the ceiling because I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> and I said, John, we shout it from the mountain, from the rooftops. We, we, go to, we go to our people and we celebrate and we, we do exactly what has been done. And that is we give God praise for answering our prayers. Um, as a caveat, he, he had a rough day today, but they moved him from ICU to the fifth floor today, and so it, it tuckered him out. I mean, his lungs have been pummeled yeah. for the last four uh, weeks, and so he, even though he is doing better, he's not out of the woods, but but for the first time in a month, he's going the right direction, and so have, I... Have we been praying, though? I mean, that, we that, need to keep praying. There's no doubt. That there's no doubt. Uh, Gavin, what? A, of course, we're going to get into topic two here in a minute. But you got anything well, you want to uh, add? I do. The timing of the when we were praying, you asked us to pray at the end of service. When did he actually feel better? Just that pop that he talks about? I haven't heard that. Uh, all I know is that uh, Carol told John, and John told me that the meeting was supposed to happen around one. And it so it's around the same time that we were praying. I mean, it's just uh, interesting that it was timing. Right. And well, and Tara just said that April said that the meeting didn't have to happen because of the, uh, you know, the, the pop uh, in the lungs. So uh, it, it was real close. Uh, God doing that was real close to when Friendship and Bethel were, were praying. I think Friendship even went to the altar uh, type thing because, uh, you know, it's, it's church members. <laughs> you, you would hope that he would do that. Amen. We were talking about we're surprised sometimes when uh, God answers our prayer. It reminded me of uh, John the Baptist's dad when he was in the temple and the angel came to him and said, your prayers have been answered. You're going to uh, have a child here. And then uh, Zechariah goes, goes and blows it, verse 18. And he said, whereby shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is stricken in years. It's like the angel said, I'm going to stop you right there. Don't say another word. <laughs> right. 
he just gets through saying, I'm answering your prayers. That's the sign. This is an answer to prayer. We sometimes say, oh, oh Lord, really? You're answering my prayer? Well, show me a sign that you're answering my prayer. Right. Uh, yeah, we, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that God can answer any of our prayers anytime he wants, any way he wants. Amen. Adrian Rogers said that uh, the prayers that will always be answered are the prayers that originate from the throne room of God. And... How do we know what prayers will originate from the throne room of God? Well, the scripture tells us, essentially. Uh, if you ask something in Jesus' name, uh, that it doesn't mean that, that saying in Jesus' name I pray is a rabbit's foot. It means that if you ask for something that Jesus would ask for uh, in his character, if you will, you can pretty well guarantee so something along those lines is going to happen. Yeah. Tom, you got something you want to add? Uh, does it boil down to just when we? Why are we timid to pray? Is that the first? well? That's that's point number two. Oh, that's our topic number two. Topic. Just, right now, we're just talking about Mark and the situation. Uh, so I just had a verse to go along with all of this, but in James chapter five, verse thirteen, um, where it talks quite a bit of, about prayer, and it starts out, "Is anyone among you suffering?" Rhetorical question, right? right. Like, yeah. yeah. Is anyone? Yes. Is it cold outside? Yes. Is you know? It's a rhetorical question. Um, and it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Well, yeah. And so what does it say? Let him pray. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Um, is anyone among you sick? We'll pray. Amen. And that's, I feel like, you led us to do that, and we prayed in faith, and God answered. And again, I'm ashamed that I was like, "Really? He got better?" <laughs> like, you know, prayers that come to that. What? It yeah, works. Right, right. Has it come to that? That's good. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh no! It, most of the stuff we're talking about, I was I cover, and when we gotcha, focus on gotcha. each one. All right. So the only thing I want to add about the Mark situation is that, um, you know. We, we need to continue to pray, as Gavin said, uh, and, and we need to pray, and, and we know, we know that Mark will, but, but we need to ask God to help Mark to be faithful, to shout his name from the rooftop and, and use this, if you will, second chance, if you want to call it that, uh, to glorify the name of the Lord. And I have no doubt that he's going to do that. Again, if it were me, I would want people to pray that I would have that ability to, to, to do just that. Uh, because I, I believe that Mark has a platform uh, that not all of us get, you know. I mean, so, some of us go out in a moment, you know, we're just, we're just gone. Uh, but, but, but Mark has had this supernatural event, and he's got a platform that I think most people would listen to, you know, especially folks that, that know him and that he's got what I call economy with, you know. Uh, they trust him or they worked with him or whatever the case may be, so. All right, so our next topic is actually moving on um, with what we're going to call some prayer points, um, which there is so much to say about prayer. And I, you know, why don't we talk about it more? Um, I heard, I listened to a lot of sermons on prayer over the last few days, and one of the things the preacher was asking is, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? And he said, of all the things that keep slipping off the table for Christians, is prayer mm -hmm. um and so we'll cover some things and and the like with that so 
happen. Yeah, we've just got several bullet points, you know, that, that we're going to throw out here and just discuss. Uh, so, Tom, why don't, if you want to start off there with why are we timid when we pray? I, uh, it's not a, not a shock statement. I think it boils down to weak faith. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of times I, I discuss with my wife all these questions, you know, because she thinks about a lot of this stuff, but don't talk about it. And mm-hmm. the first thing I said is, like, why are we timid to pray? And she said, does it really do us any good? It's a, a knee-jerk reaction to a lot of people, you know, because mm-hmm. I think we've, I think we confuse not getting the answer we want right. to God not answering our prayers. Right. One of the things that's really helped me in life is God doesn't always say no. He just sometimes says not now. Right. It's on his time, not right. ours. And I think when we're timid to pray, it is we just, it's our lack of faith to truly believe he can do what his scripture says he can do. I think sometimes it's just poor discipleship, uh, you know, on a church's part, you know, uh, the, whether it's through the pulpit or, or through the Sunday school teachers or through personal discipleship. Uh, people don't know what they have. They, they, right. they don't know the tools in the toolbox that they have. They don't understand that in uh, John 13, 14, and 15, uh, I'm sorry, it's actually 14, 15, 16, that Jesus said, whatsoever you ask in my name, you'll get it, you know. And again, that's in the character uh, if if we don't know that, right. we don't have that confidence, you know, uh, and, and the such. And Gavin, you got a comment on that? Yeah, they say in Matthew five, the same thing. Ask, seek, knock. Or I'm sorry, Matthew seven, I think. Uh, ask, seek, knock. It's the command. We're supposed to be doing that, asking and seeking and knocking, in expectation that we'll receive the answer, that we'll find the the direction, or or the door will open to us. Those are you know those are blank checks that God or Jesus has written to us there. The other thing I think about uh, prayer for me is the work it takes to get prepared for it. I have to lay aside my efforts, my kingdom, my desires, my uh, timetable, my schedule. I have to lay that all aside, and it and it puts you in the perspective that you should be in to approach the the Lord of Glory for um, having any effect for his kingdom in this life. I, I honestly just think this is, a, in many times, it's the demands of my, you know, the things that I want that keep me from prayer. And why, why do we do that? There's just a spirit of independence that just seems to take over. We want to take credit for the good things that happen. We want to be, we want to enjoy the good things that happen, but we have forgot the hours that we spent in prayer asking for um, that victory or that, door to open and uh, you know in, in my case it's a matter of sin i i want to i want it to be my victory my rejoicing and i too often forget to include the the lord that allowed it to, to happen or even brought me to that you know that place of victory or or the breakthrough i know in my case sometimes and you could chalk this up to a lack of faith but I, i'm hesitant to get out there on the limb with god you know, uh, setting yourself up for failure, kind yeah. of like, well, you know, I always say the secret to a good time, low expectations, low expectations. <laughs> if I just go in there with low expectations, then I can't be disappointed. So I go back to Clay Bannerman's experience with this. Uh, Clay had pulled a TV on top of himself when he was a young, young kid and just about destroyed his head. Uh, too much TV will kill you. I guarantee you. <laughs> 
And this, too soon. It's, it's still too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> and this was during church. I mean, it was 10 minutes before Sunday school started. This was long before first service was ever around. And so we all ended up, that deacons and folks that, you know, real close to Brad and Shannon, we all ended up at the hospital on Sunday and praying for Quay's life, basically. And Charles Keith walked in there and said, pointed his finger at Brad and said, this is not over, not even a little bit. God is going to heal Clay. He's going to be fine. The only thing you're going to be able to tell is that he had a TV land on his head. That, that's it. He, he's going to be fine. He's going to live. Well, he's going to be fine. And he had to pray that over his own son at one that, point. And that's why he had the confidence. Right. Because all of us were like, we were afraid to give too much hope because we didn't know what was going to happen. You know. Now, and, and of course, we've, we've come a long way from that. Now what I tell people is, God, and we're going to get into this more, but God is God. He can do what he wants to do, and he's right in everything he does. But until we know for sure what is his will, we're going to beg him to heal this person. I was afraid to say that at that point. Yeah. But, but seeing Brother Charles just come in there boldly, and again, he had the experience of his own son uh, that recovered completely uh, from a really, honestly, even oh, a worse accident yeah, you know, type thing. And like you said, I think it's fleshly, like the origins of being timid about it because we're afraid to look stupid. Oh, right. look at all those Christians. That, they thought exactly he'd get right. healed. No, yeah. how about your God do for you? Right, you know? that's right. We're yeah. just afraid of that ridicule. Well, I think sometimes, and it's kind of what you were th saying, Tom, but I think we don't think prayer works. I think deep down there's a part of us, a very a sad and faithless part that's we haven't seen it work in the past. So maybe we're afraid to pray it again. Or in my opinion, maybe what we've been praying for was just selfish prayer right. or it was to consume it upon our it lusts. Was, it was very uh, it wasn't it wasn't a godly prayer in the first place. Right. It was a very self-centered, selfish prayer. And we're looking for those things to get answered, and they're not. So therefore, like, well, why pray about it? Because my yeah. prayers in the past haven't been answered. Yeah, or you're afraid to pray because if you don't get the answer you want, you're going to be angry at God. <laughs> you know, so I'd rather not ask. I'm saying that right. with air quotes, you know. But it's like, he's treated me okay for now, but I just don't want to be mad at him. So we're just going to let yeah. happen what happens. But I think when we change the, I guess, the type of prayer we pray, when we right. change mm -hmm. the... Um, I guess the, the center, the direction of our prayer, then our whole prayer life changes anyway. Absolutely. Well, and, and you look at, at this situation with, with Mark. I mean, none of us had anything to gain out of that other than praising the Lord. That, that's all we had to gain out of it. And we were asking God on Mark's behalf, Carol's behalf, you know, the whole family's behalf, uh, to, to, to heal him for the glory of God. And so I, I, I could not agree more that, that it, I mean, we really have got to make sure, and Gavin even said it, we've got to get ourselves in a place where we care, you know, about God's kingdom principles and things of that nature. So the next point we've got here is, uh, in, in <laughs> do, do more charismatic Christians have a corner on prayer? Now, we, we might could do an entire topic on this some other time, but I, I, I read some material uh, last week that, that kind of fired me up. Um, and so the, the what, what do we mean by charismatic? Okay, So there is a group of folks that call themselves charismatics, and essentially the word charismata is a biblical word, and it's not a bad word on any level. It's the gifts, and, and, and it's a gifted people, if you will. Uh, but with that said, uh, in, in, a, in a you know Baptist person's opinion here, 
j just like the Baptists have some, you know, what would you call them, quirks and, and some hang-ups and, and got some areas that we're probably wrong in. You know, I feel like the Charismatics do too. Uh, and so, but they pummel us on not being a people of faith. Um, they, the, the, the group that they follow is even called the Word of Faith Movement, you know, type deal. And, and so, but what I'm always reminded of is S.M. Lockridge that said, just because another man seasons his food too much is not going to keep me from seasoning my food to my flavor and to my taste. And so uh, my short answer to do more charismatic Christians have a corner on prayer, well, well certainly not, uh, but they do, they're much more bold, you know, and, and I think you've got to give them their props on that. They're much more bold, just like, you know, Charles Keith coming in there saying he, he's going to get better. My first thought was, don't tell him that. That was my first thought. Don't get his hopes up. Right. But then the Holy Spirit took over and, and said, you need to agree with him. You need to agree with him and ask me to heal Clay. And I started doing that. And, and, and of course, God did that. Um, but uh, so anyway, uh, what do you, what's your. forget God's heart, too. Uh, I just looked at that Matthew 7, 7. Ask, seek, knock verse there, and it says, what man will ask, uh, which one of you asks, if your son asks bread and gives him a stone, or he asks a fish and you give him a snake, uh, you deem being evil, how, how know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more your father, which is in heaven, give good, thing, give good things to them that ask him. We sometimes forget God's heart in here. God's intent is always for our good. Amen. Amen. You got any comments, Tara, on? Well, I think it, again, boils down to faith. That seems to be yeah. the um, resounding topic here, that it boils down to, no, they don't have a corner market on prayer, um, but is there, does their faith seem stronger? Does it? Well, I think on the surface, on a fleshly, you know, charismatic is uh, attitude in a way. Um, you know, charis char charisma, it can be used for good or evil. You bet. You know, charismatic leaders are people who can get somebody to follow them, can get somebody to break establishment rules, can get... Jesus was a charismatic leader. No doubt. Hitler was a charismatic leader. One's for good, one's for evil. You know, you're able to get influenced people to, on your cause. But, you know, and the way the uh, question was worded, do charismatic people have the corner... I just thought about it. I wrote down a little thing. I, I, I said, Gertie Jennings is 102 years old. She lives down the street. She's never spoke above a whisper in the last 67 years since her husband's died. She may, she may go to bed at 6.30 in the evening, wake up at 5 a.m., and the most exciting thing she does all day is feed the squirrels. But she prays five times a day for an hour and reads her Bible for the rest of the time. Is she charismatic? No. But could you say she's got the cornered market on prayer? You yes. Bet. So it doesn't matter your attitude matters your relationship that, that's the absolute truth that's great tom uh, one of the things i stated here is that they're less hesitant and this is a positive thing they're less hesitant to obligate god oh and, yeah put them on the spot that's right and, and and i i think scripturally biblically we can do that i do however think there are some you know uh, borders that you have to put around there just as hey he's god he can do whatever he wants to yeah. do this is one thing that, you know, and, and, and we'll just reach out there and touch the most extreme, you know, thing. A, a lot of folks still want to claim that God raises people from the dead, okay? Uh, and what I would tell you is, is that he absolutely still can, 
that I can take you in Scripture, in my opinion, and show you that he no longer operates that way. But then I can also show you where he's going he's to raise a lot of people from the dead, you know, at some point uh, in the such. So Is it a matter of context, though? Because was not the man we were just talking about raised from the dead? That's a good point. Well, so I, the people I'm talking to, it is not a matter of Dry context. bones. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they're talking about that if we still had faith, we could walk out into that cemetery and raise people from the dead. Right. I, I refuse to believe that. Uh, and I don't believe that damages God's power at all uh, because this book is no limitation to God. Right. It's, it's where he chooses to work. Uh, you know, the verse, it's appointed unto man once to die. It, it's just part of it. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, hallelujah, God has seemingly healed Brother Pfeiffer. He's still going to die. At <laughs> some yeah. point, he's going to die. But, you know, at 62, you know, we, we would like to think that we can push that off, you know, for a while. I, I do like I'll, I'll, my little thing I talk about when I crashed that Pentecostal tent revival. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm glad I did it. Sure. It was a party for God. It was, there were some things I didn't sure. understand, something. These people, in their minds, were worshiping. And as long as it isn't anti-Christ, it's worship, in, in my mind. And I'm like, hey, these people are killing it for Christ. You know, so. Well, and, and it's very important. that, that we're, we're using this as an example, not, not a, a reason to pick on any denomination right, right. or anything. Uh, because, again, the, the, the point is, is, are we praying enough? And, and the, the, this group out here that we call the Charismatics, they're definitely a positive, uh, if you will, example for us to be more bold in prayer. Amen. The next one, uh, we've got time. Yeah, I think we do. Uh, do our, and this goes along with what you were saying earlier, Gavin. Do our worldly pursuits hinder us from recording life-changing prayers? So, you know, I would say, okay, in the realm of worldly pursuits, a lot of our problem with praying is actually starting to pray, like starting the prayer. And I have an analogy for this. It's kind of like whenever you say, I'm going to start exercising. Man, I feel, I feel so good when I do it. And I, all around, I sleep better. I just I feel better. I breathe better. Everything's better when I exercise. I'm going to start exercising. And then in 20 minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for that run. And then 20 minutes later, something comes up. And then 20 minutes after that, and you never actually start it. The hardest part about exercising is actually the first minute of starting the exercise. So that's the analogy. So with prayer, I feel so much better when I pray. Everything, my marriage seems better. My work life seems better. When I show up on Sunday, my praise is better. Uh, my attitude is better. Man. Everything is better when I pray. Why don't I pray more? And again, it kind of slips off the table. And you know, you're talking about your worldly pursuits. Well, I was going to start praying, but then this came up, and then I was going to do it 10 minutes later, and then I was going to do it on Monday, and then I was going to do it on Thursday, and, da, 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 and another week goes by, and I didn't spend any time in prayer. And the hardest part in our worldly pursuits is just making it a priority. Um, and I, there's a lot of ways to address this, like worldly pursuits, and, you know, am I pursuing God's kingdom when I'm praying, or am I pursuing my own kingdom when I'm praying? But I'm just talking about the physical task of praying. It's work until it's, until it's pleasure. You know what I'm saying? Like, at first, anything, if your prayer life is slipped, and you know it's slipped, it is work until it's pleasure. Discipline leads to desire. Right. 
Amen. And so it's just the first minute. It's the right. I uh, not not in 20 minutes. It's now. This right. is the time I pray. Just telescoping right off that thought, Tara. Uh, too many times I look at prayers holding me back. And that, that's a terrible approach to prayer. Prayer should be pulling me along. And if I can't keep my life and attitude and my heart in a condition where I can just slip right into a conversation with Jesus, and I mean, that, that's probably part of the problem, too. Uh, I find myself thinking and saying things that wouldn't be, I wouldn't dare say in front of Christ, and the reality being that I'm, I am saying in front of Christ. Uh, so I have to come clean on those things first, and then let prayer open the, open the door, or prayer... Uh, show me the path or whatever the case may be for that day and i don't think god leaves out the responsibilities that he's given us already as part of you know what we should lead in prayer should lead us in prayer or how prayer should lead us it certainly should start with our responsibilities but there's also some things in the the kingdom i think that god has given us as an assignment in prayer if we listen and uh, again i i First, to admit that I'm not good enough at that. I'm really concerned about that in my prayer life, that I don't hear God telling me, hey, go talk to that person, or hey, that person needs something, or why don't you go and do such and such without, you know, how many times we do something that we don't understand, but the prayer, but the Spirit's telling us to do that. How many times do we hear that? I mean, uh, last time I, I wrote about it in my, my book, the last time that that actually happened to me, I was, felt like I was being told to do something that didn't make any sense. But so many times we, we find ourselves, it's not, uh, doesn't make sense that it can't be God's will. So that's a dangerous, dangerous thought line. Yeah, yes, I agree. And, and I think that uh, the further we go, uh, as someone says in this human experiment, I, I think we're going to be tested more and more to, to do those things that do not seem to make sense. But God has told us to do it. Uh, I, I, I do believe, certainly, that our worldly pursuits hinder us from recording life-changing prayers. You know, you had mentioned about making it the first thing. And that, of course, reminded me of, uh, is it Matthew 6, 33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, something that, that hopefully every Bethel member and attender has heard me say several times, if we'll make God's priorities our priorities, he'll make our priorities, his priorities. Uh, it's just so important that we do that. Well, and I think, too, in our prayer life, we're praying about something that's maybe worrying us, and then we end up spending more time working on fixing it ourselves than actually spending time in prayer. Like, how often do we do that? There's a problem, and we work on fixing it when actually we're not fixing anything. We're just worrying right. more. Um, and you could have just been spending that time in prayer. Well, it's I do that worry. all it's the time. Concern yeah. for it's for it. The only time that it shocks me into the mode where I can't do anything but pray is when it's truly out of my hands. Yeah. It, all the other instances are probably truly out of my hands too. But like <laughs> with health diagnosis, you just don't know it yet. Yeah, you know, like because if you know we're short on bills or you know the cars are out of gas, I'm gonna worry. How can I make it work? I'm not gonna pray about that. Maybe I should. But like when we when we had the scare with Macy or Lindsay's diagnosis of cancer, it's like, wow, I can't fix this. We have to go to prayer. Uh, and I just I think we we place God on different levels. He can't fix my car payment. Yeah, he can. He pray can. about it. You know, it's like no, he's not gonna. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, some people that aren't 
educated in God's word might hear that and think it's a health, wealth, and prosper right. message. But, right. but yeah, so repetition for us, it's uncomfortable the first couple times when you stop lunch and you tell the kids to shut off the TV. We're going to pray as a family. It shouldn't be weird in my own living room, you know, but when through repetition now when these prayer trains come across tv's off we're praying you know yeah. and it does become more comfortable i know for a fact we got a text from you during macy saying from tara here the radio people can't see that i knew you guys were praying for my daughter i knew it yeah. i knew when i talked to you so it's like so when you when you know people do that it gives you more confidence and it's you know i talked back then we were struggling with prayer chains at that moment and god <laughs> lovingly, you know. Well, he's like, let me show you something, Tom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, one of the things that, that, you know, with what you're saying there, Tom, uh, and I always go back to Al and, and Dorothy Morocco mm -hmm. and what God used them for to, te to teach me. If I told them I had a headache here at church, they would stop what we were doing, they'd hold hands, me in the middle, and they'd pray for my headache right then and right there. They did that at Walmart one time. Yeah. scared me to death uh, and, and the such. But what it did was it taught me that when you hear somebody ask you, will you pray for me? Yeah. It, if you can stop right then yeah. and there and do it. And, and you just said about, you know, at home. If it's awkward at home, that's bad. Yeah. Th that's really bad. If it's awkward for you to do it right here in church, if it's, if it's awkward for a Christian to pray in a church that they regularly attend, that's bad. And I have discovered that if we don't practice here at church and at home, we'll never right. do it at Walmart. Amen. Well, we'll never do it. At somebody texted in um, that essentially they'd ask someone why they quit praying before they ate. And they said, you know, when they were out and eating, they felt like people were watching them and they felt judged as extremists. Uh, yeah. And... Awkward well, is awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I shared the story. The first time I've prayed over a fast food meal was with Pastor Ben at McDonald's. The first time I was like, oh, my gosh, we're praying. People are watching us. You know, Now it's one of them comfort things. When we pray, one of the last things we pray if we're out at a restaurant is that if anybody looks upon us right now, I pray they trust and know that you provide all things. Amen. You know, and it's like, so I'm just, I'm putting my awkwardness onto them. Let them try to figure us out. And I'm hoping the Holy Spirit will speak to them and say, look, those people have faith. One of the, the easiest and best ways of witnessing also is that when the waiter or waitress comes up and taking your order, you just simply say as nonchalantly as you can, hey, in just a moment, we're going to pray before we eat. Is there anything we can pray for you about? That's cool. I have yet to have a waiter or waitress say, I'm good, you know. Uh, they'll tell you. That's awesome. And, and so then you pray. Some Sometimes they'll join in, you know. But but I, I saw a guy do that, and I, I don't do it every time, but I tried, again, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, uh, to, to, to do that uh, because I think it's important. You know, so you mentioned that, Ben, because I remember we were coming back, I think, from that, the symposium in Mississippi, and we stopped at, a, I don't know, Blueberry Hill, it seemed like, and, and there was a young black man and you ask him that do you remember what he said i'm trying to remember go ahead uh he he, he I, I was i was uh, what you said that nobody there's been nobody that has turned you down yet it just reminded me i, I was thinking oh he's gonna say nothing you know be awkward. he told you that he hadn't seen his daughter in 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know, she a couple of months or a couple of weeks. Uh, was with with his ex his girlfriend or wife. Yeah. yeah. So it's just true. I I was surprised, shocked, surprised that he he got pretty serious and you could tell it was really weighing on him and he he shared that with us. So yeah. amen. Yeah. Man, that's neat. Now, I can tell you, Mexican restaurants, they love them some Jesus. So, you know, it's like they'll always come over. I've never, other places I've had them, you know, the waiters kind of get uh, waiting on you. But at any Mexican restaurant I've been to, they just wait. They're like, hey, you know, they, yeah. it's like they're almost happy you're praying. So Amen. that's pretty cool. Amen. That's well, all the bullet points I had. I do think one thing, and you mentioned it, and I, I don't want to let it go, um, because you said, why don't we pray, you know, as an overall topic, and you mentioned, you know, is it discipleship? And I think that there is that dynamic of maybe people have never been taught how to pray. Right. They don't mm -hmm. know how to have a, pray, a prayer life. Like, you know, we went over the Lord's Prayer right. as a, our perfect example. Now, it doesn't mean just to say that prayer it says to pray like this right. um, but I think that's a big miss in a lot of churches or small groups or whatever that people maybe don't spend time in prayer because they haven't been taught how to have a prayer time right. just a thought no, there's no doubt and, and I, you know I, I'll throw this out there <laughs> anybody that feels like that they don't quote unquote have what they need to have a, a man come talk to me you know let, let's yeah. sit down Let's start a Sunday school class, you know, whatever the case may be, because the scripture says that it is my responsibility to make sure that the folks of the church are equipped to do the ministry of the saints. Uh, and so, it, oh, and that, that reminded me, you were talking about uh, basically the hard work of prayer. Uh, I came across a track years ago that said prayer is the work, ministry is the reward. And I thought, man, that. That's powerful. And so if I walk into a hospital room and I get the opportunity to minister to them, that's kind of the cherry on top of the you know ice cream. Uh, the, the hard work is done before I get in that room. You know, Lord, please open their heart. Please give me the words to say. Give me the boldness, you know, such of that nature. And it's not a, a morbid thing. That's why I love witnessing to those who are familiar with their terminal yeah. state you know yeah. they, they've got nothing left of the world to cling to right. that's also like at funerals you know right. they're at their lowest point and mm -hmm. it's just the fields are ripe you right. know just to be able to speak to somebody that is not complicated with the world is a beautiful thing yeah, another sin there's one more thing that I what the response to that was and recording that I'm kind of an ADD prayer hmm. I, I something's on my heart I pray about it and then completely forget about it and never follow up on, on it but uh, I think that's another thing I should add to my prayer life amen amen Larry do you have something
Yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you on that, Larry, other than just keep the faith and keep keep moving. Uh, haters are going to hate, I heard yeah, somebody well, say. And, and I, I like to say, I'm not the one giving them off. I'm giving them to that's, Jesus. That's he gives exactly the right. He gives the hope. Yeah, yeah, good true. stuff. Good stuff. So our last topic is something kind of light, uh, which we probably need at this point. Um, and it's kind of a, we get to pick, we gave, we threw out three options and each one of us have to pick a topic to share. Um, so it's our favorite memory from Christmas past, a favorite memory from 2020, or a new tradition that 2020 has created. Um, so each of us has a minute to choose one of those and give it two minutes. Two minutes. You got two minutes to share your, and, and I didn't put mine down here, so I've forgotten what it was. I had one, and it just so someone else is going to have to go first, so I can remember. What mine well, was. Um, so I think there's uh, not anybody that can hear my voice that hasn't had a change from 2020 that was unexpected. Um, but our New Year's, or excuse me, our Christmas Eve plans have changed because uh, we typically go to my husband's aunt in St. Charles, and it is awesome, and she throws down the best food imaginable, and we look forward to it every year. It's so much fun. Um, and she didn't feel comfortable hosting the family for Christmas. So, you know, here we've got like no Christmas Eve uh, at all to do. So we're like, no, we don't have anything to do on Christmas Eve. Uh, and I was like, well, let's start a new tradition. And so um, there's this cafe mosaic. It's this little cafe in um, the doctor's building near where I work. And so on Christmas Eve, they're doing a pickup dinner where you can pick up a dinner and it's really nice. If you haven't eaten there, their food is like amazing for a um, hospital-based <laughs> cafe. <laughs> it is so good. Um, anyway, so they have like the option you can buy this whole meal and it's like a you know turkey and all these sides and fancy salad and dessert and the whole bit. And I and I'm on call, of course, I have to work on Christmas Eve, and I was like, hey, I'm gonna pick up a fancy dinner. Let's go home. We'll put on nice clothes. I'll bring home this nice dinner. We can put out like Christmas plates and you know make it a thing and watch Christmas movies and play games as a family and not go anywhere for once. We'll just enjoy each other. Um, and so that's like our new, I don't know if it'll be every year right. tradition, right. Um, but we're like, let's, it was kind of a Christmas tradition thrown together for 2020. Who knows if it'll be repeated. Maybe it will be all we want to do on Christmas Eve from <laughs> now on. Um, but I'm actually looking forward to it. So our family Christmas got canceled and we're making up something else. So. That'll be our new thing this year. That's I'm pretty stuff. excited. That's good stuff. It's like our Thanksgiving steak and shake. It, it exactly. became because Lindsay was pregnant, didn't want to cook. We went to steak and shake. It stuck, although we didn't get to do it this year. So. So is that your? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. um, mine was, uh, it was uh, from probably the late 80s, early 90s. Um, maybe even a couple of years. I was don't think I was a teenager yet, but it made me basically who I am now. We grew up pretty poor, and we lived in a late 1960s trailer that had its best years in the late 1960s. <laughs> um, we had no carpet. We had plywood windows, the cracked windows. You know, I remember the bathtub was on center blocks, so they'd rock, and you could see the gravel under the trailer. Neither here nor there, you, you kind of realize you're poor when you're a kid, but we just lived it. And it was uh, Christmas time, and I remember it very vaguely. It was Christmas Eve. And I remember hearing my mom and dad panicking about something, and our very shabby furnace had gone out. And uh, I remember it was one of those foggy, snowy days, you know, it was getting dark quick. And somehow they scraped up a Benjamin Franklin stove. <laughs> dad cut a hole in the roof of the trailer. I don't know how he did that, probably with like a drywall saw or something. Right. But uh, I, I shared a room with my brother. 
my sisters had a room and my parents lived in the living room on an air mattress. And I remember that night under our cedar tree, because that was always, uh, we'd walk out and get a cedar tree. We had blankets and quilts hanging over the windows and we all huddled in the living room by this stone to stay warm. And it was probably a terrible Christmas. I don't remember that, but I remember we slept good. I don't know where my parents got the wood from. But, uh, you know, now every Christmas, you know, and I see my kids in a 78-degree house and all their Xboxes and junk. And right. I just realize how blessed I am, you know, and how that helped made me who I was. But right. just the family came together, and it was amazing, yeah. you know. So I, I always think about that, and it's one of my favorite memories. So I've always heard people say we were poor and didn't know it. Oh, yeah. you know, and that's because they had a good life. You know, they, they, it wasn't about things. It was about family. Gavin, what about you? So, uh, you know, I remember my mom, this was her season, was, was Christmas season, and it was all out every year. It, she just loved to give, she loved to decorate, she loved to cook, she loved to do all of that around the season. It was really important to her to have family around. Well, this is, this is going back to the 60s when we lived in High Ridge. Uh, we knew that there was going to be a cache of toys every year and I, she never said it I never knew it but I'm almost certain that mom worked probably till April of the following year to pay off Christmas the previous Christmas every year so my cousin was living with us for a while and my brother and my cousin and I conspired to get up really early in the morning like when it was still dark and go have a peek look around in the, in the living room where all the toys and stuff were so we, we are all, all three of us calling out of our bedroom down the hallway, kind of in a tight formation. In super stealth mode. Su like, yeah, super stealth, uh, like uh, Navy SEALs type, going down <laughs> the hallway. And my brother stopped, and the momentum of my cousin just went right into him, and he, he broke wind just as my cousin hit him. <laughs> two, two did right in his face. <laughs> we, it, the, the whole operation was over. We were rolling, laughing. It was just done. We all scrambled back to the room, hoping that nobody heard us. And that, that was probably one of my favorite, as a kid, memories uh, about Christmas. And that's awesome. And what is that, 50-year-old memory, if not older? <laughs> what? You know? No, I mean, you know. At least 40. At least 40. At least 40. Yes. You know? 50, I didn't know if you were five years old, you know? <laughs> It was an old memory is what Tom yeah. It was a black and white memory. It was a black and white memory. Oh, that's good. Not that's good. Color. Yeah. All right. So uh, I honestly can't recall what I had originally thought. So I'm going to share with you something that, that happened for us uh, several years ago now. Uh, we were given a, uh, an amount of money to share with someone on Christmas Eve. And that's when we, we were asked to do it, if you will, just that way. So we decided to get the whole family together. Uh, Gavin knows that Christmas Eve usually is spent at the Burnett House. So we went there and did that and had a wonderful time, as we always do. And, uh, but, but all of my bunch knew that we weren't going straight home. And this is so 12 o'clock at night. We're going to a hospital to, to give this money away. And... Uh, on the way, we had prayed and, and we had discovered or determined, if you will, that we were going to go to Washington to the ER and just give it to the nurses and tell them, give it to whoever you want you know, to, 
give it to you because you know what's going on. Uh, there's a fella on Eli Hill there going towards St. Clair where the bridge is now. He's walking. This is Christmas Eve. It's rainy. It's cold. And I looked at Dawn and she looked at me. We had all three kids in the car. And, and basically, we, we, it was the van at the time. We, we got one seat open. And I said, I, I don't have peace passing. And she said, stop. We stopped. He gets in the van. And I told him what all we were doing. And I said, uh, where can we take it? He said, I need to go to Sullivan. And so I took him to Sullivan. We gave him one of the cards that had been given and such. And, and I, it, you know, for me, we have been so blessed. We have been so protected, if you will. Uh, hallelujah, praise the Lamb. But we, we can't lose that compassion for the stranger, if you will. Um, and, and, God, and we've done that for a, a few Christmases, not every Christmas, but uh, just reminding ourselves that here we are in the midst of all of our joy and fun, and there are some people spending the night at the ER or walking on a road trying to get somewhere that they need to get to. So it, that, that was, that's a, a memory that comes back to me quite often. Well, and I, even hearing that story, I love the scripture that says we entertain angels unaware. You bet. You know, and it's like sometimes, you know, I've passed some people sometimes. We're like, oh, God, I hope, I hope that wasn't a test. Yeah. You know, it's like... <laughs> Well, and again, I, I'll tell any woman, I would never, ever tell you to stop when you see someone like that. That's got to be a decision between you and your husband and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and because Don knows, don't you stop. I'll take care of those things, you know, and such of that nature. But I, and I know you do, too, quite a bit. I'll stop. If, if I sense the Holy Spirit, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I'll stop. Because I have been that guy walking on the road. I had been that guy that absolutely needed somebody to help yeah. me. You know, we we had that experience uh, in, during the pandemic. Uh, I'm pretty sure I shared this story, but um, th this guy walked to our house and asked if we had a gas can with a little bit of gas in it. And I said, "Well, I've got a 20-year-old son, and he, he <laughs> he's wiped me out, but uh, I'll be glad to go to Wagner's and get you some gas." And he's like, "Oh man." I, can't ask you to do that, but if you would, oh my goodness, what a blessing that would be. Turns out this guy owns a Jimmy John's in St. Louis, and his car had ran out of gas, and he just desperately needed someone to help him. And he's where he's scared. There ain't nothing out here. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Uh, you're banjos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 so this guy's got hunting dogs, 40 turkeys in a cage behind his house. So at the end of all that, uh, he, he pulled money out of his and I said, no, 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 no. And Don did the same thing. No, no, no. That he said, no, no, no. Give this to the church. Pass it on. I was like, okay, we, we can do that. So we ended up buying the St. Clair Fire Department's lunch that next day. Uh, and, and just cool stuff like that. that God's always showing out. All right. Well, 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 yeah. Any other 2020 memories? I don't think 2020 is actually going to end. <laughs> you know, we're rolling it right we're just out not going This year to has been for a long six more months. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like there will be a turning point, I'm hoping. You know. So, have you, uh, and I don't know, this is not spiritual at all, but have you guys played the game Among Us? Uh, no, but I do know that the kids downstairs are hooked on Among Us. Yeah. That's I all I hear in my house. Yeah. I was supposed to be downstairs playing like a Christmas game, and then they said, no, the kids just want to play Among Us. 
<laughs> I was like, okay. So if you don't know the game, you're going to misunderstand what I'm fixing to say. So just trust me. It's a little I, confusing. It I don't know it's confusing. And, and the I whole, was like, I've heard my daughter talk about it for eight days, and yeah. I still don't know. I just, all I know about the game is they said, you can destroy David Nails in the hallway. I don't understand. They don't catch him in the hallway. He's by the tree or something. That's what they keep talking right. about. So uh, in, in the actual game, of course, they, what they've done here in our youth group is they, they have made up a live Among Us game. It's a lot of fun. They have a yeah. great time playing. They're probably playing it right now. But in the actual game on the app, uh, you are on a space station, and the space station has been sabotaged, and you're going around doing tasks. Well, there's an imposter on the space station, and he's killed people. Okay, and so each time you start the game, it's a really good church game. It is a great church game. There's some <laughs> great biblical. No, it's not at all. I, I maybe a sin to play it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he's pray, reconsidering. Pray, 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 pray for him. But one of the things that was really fun uh, several weeks ago now, all, the first because my kids are like, Dad, play with us, play with us. I'm like, I am not playing Among Us. But I had went to that revival. And one of the girls there uh, just loved the game. And it, and it piqued my interest. So I thought, okay, all right, what the heck. You know, it was a Friday night or Saturday night. I said, let's play. Had a ball. And I was the best murderer out of all of them. Uh, <laughs> because they just didn't think I would do it, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, and, and, and I can't tell you how many times that, that I got points because, you know, I was the murderer. So anyway, uh, we'll end this topic. <laughs> Nobody suspects the preacher. Nobody suspects it, but you should always suspect the preacher. I'm Is that you. a highlight for January that we're kicking off? We're going to play Among Us? Or is that <laughs> we could. Yeah. We certainly could. Amen. That's good stuff. All right. Well, that concludes 2020 for Bubble Radio Hour. Uh, thank you for the faithful that have stuck it out, the cold and the virus and everything else. So um, we'll see you next year. And if you got topics, send them in. Thank you. See you, everybody. Thank you, Gavin.